Welcome to the What's Next podcast with Tiffany Bova. Tiffany is a top-rated speaker, thought leader, and sales and marketing influencer known around the world as an industry visionary. Today, she's using her 20 years of sales experience to help companies focus on creating a high-growth culture while adapting to the new realities of the market. She's always asking herself, what's next? Aloha, this is Tiffany Bova, the host of the What's Next podcast, and I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Guy Kawasaki to my podcast today, and hence the reason I said aloha. Uh, that is my way I would tell him hi if I saw him. So Guy Kawasaki is the chief evangelist at Canva, an online graphic design tool. He is a brand ambassador for Mercedes-Benz and an executive fellow at the Haas School of Business. He was the chief evangelist of Apple and a trustee of the Wikimedia Foundation. He is also the author of The Art of the Start, The Art of Social Media, Enchantment, and nine other books. Kawasaki has a BA from Stanford University, an MBA from UCLA, as well as an honorary doctorate from Babson College. But more importantly, he's a friend of mine, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have him. Welcome, Guy. Thank you. That, that, that's what I list first on my LinkedIn profile, friend of Tiffany. It should be. So <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I've known Guy a long time, and, and we sort of we have this history. We're both born and raised from Hawaii, which is uh, why I said aloha. Uh, and we went to rival high schools. So, you know, he picks on me, I pick on him. It's a friendly banter, I might add. Uh, I, I think I went to a better school, but, you know, he'll say he went to a better school. Um, but when you're from Hawaii, people don't ask, you know, where you, what, what, you know, where you live or what kind of car do you drive or what job do you have? They ask, what high school did you go to? <laughs> and that tells or, you everything about them. Or more accurately, they say, what, Scott, what high school you went? That's, well, that's true, too. For all Hawaii peeps out there, that is absolutely correct. So we're going to get started with with something that uh, that uh, I like to do at the beginning of each one of my podcasts. It's called Bullish and Bearish, and uh, it's an opportunity for me to just get the juices flowing, guy. We're just going to have a quick little couple questions, and you can answer bullish or bearish, and and take it where you'd like. All right. Okay. okay. All right. So you're either an entrepreneur or you're not bullish or bearish. Bullish or bearish? What? What? But that's a question. How are you bullish or bearish so on a question? Any, anybody can be an entrepreneur. Bullish or bearish? A bearish. Yeah, I agree. I agree <laughs> with you. I'd like to dig, dig into that too. Uh, next one. Uh, more conversations will happen with things than between humans by 2020. Bearish. All right. I like that one too. Uh, the next one is... Customer experience is the new battleground. Bullish. Nice. All right. Let's go back to that first one. Since you are such a huge advocate for the entrepreneur community, uh, both yes. with The Art of the Start, which is such a fantastic book. Uh, so why do you think that you know people are either kind of entrepreneurs or they're not? Well, that's not exactly how I would put it. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that and it's a very nuanced response. I think that there is no, or there are very few, quote unquote, born natural entrepreneurs. So I'm saying that not everybody can be an entrepreneur, but that is not to be interpreted as me saying that you had to go to a certain school, come from a certain race, come from a certain uh, economic status, et cetera, et cetera. So 
people from any of those backgrounds can be entrepreneurs, but not everybody with that background can be an entrepreneur. And that's a very important difference. I am not saying that the the world of entrepreneurship is is fixed and predetermined. I think that's absolutely not true. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I was uh, <clears throat> it was maybe about two years ago when I was making decision to you know what I was going to do next in my career, and I people were like, oh, you should just you know start your own business, and I and I had some really amazing soul searching. Uh, and spent some time with someone else who was on my podcast, Naomi Simpson. She's on Shark Tank Australia. She's one of the sharks. And we had this, you know, sort of over a bottle of wine kind of conversation. At the end of this conversation, I actually realized in being honest with myself that I am not an entrepreneur. It's just well, not my I, thing. Well, you know, that that that's better you figure that out in advance. But I would also make a case to give yourself a break that you may not be an entrepreneur. Now, that doesn't mean in five years, five months, or five decades you won't be. So I, I don't. I just don't think it's predetermined. Interesting. Well, at least then that maybe there's hope <laughs> for me at some point. At some point. But you know, you and I also have another fun connection that you went to law school, I guess, for about a week and decided it wasn't for you. And I did the same thing. I, you know, similar to an entrepreneur, I realized that was just not for me. Yeah. See, that's a sign of intelligence. <laughs> I'll take that. I'm sure my mom, when I went, came home and said, Mom, I'm, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm going to go into sales. She was really thrilled. I might, you know, well, I might what law school did you go to? Oh, no. Didn't go. Didn't even, didn't oh. go. I took the test, got in and decided that's probably not a good place for me. Yeah. Well, which ones did you get into? Well, that's even, that's another story. Like, what, this isn't about me. This is about you, guy. Well. Well, that's the mark of a good conversationalist. <laughs> yeah, turn it around. Turn it around. Well, so let's 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 start off with something I think you're really passionate about, and I think everybody can learn from you, if if not anything else. Right? Using social media today, you know, you've been really at the forefront of it for a long time. And how do you think that has changed over the last couple of years? And and what do you think? we should really start paying attention to going forward for the next 12 to 24 months as it relates to social media? Well, when social media was new, merely showing up was often good enough, right? And I think the standards for succeeding in social media are much higher now. So the videos have to be better. The photographs have to be better. The curation has to be better. The creation has to be better. And that, that's kind of a natural consequence. I don't think you can just, you know, show up and turn on your camera and expect to succeed, especially if you're a brand. Because for a while, brands didn't have it. So if you were a brand with social media, you stood out. But that's like saying, oh, you know, we're a brand and we have a website. So we're, you know, standing out. Well, not anymore. Yeah. And, and I think it's gotten even noisier. Now, so so, what do you suggest to people from a? It used to be showing up. Now you need to show up, like you just said, with much better content and uh, you know ways that are much more engaging. How do people really pivot towards that, or what are the things they should be thinking about? The, the temptation here is to you know, try to let's say uh, outgun other people, right? So you have bigger crews, bigger budgets, bigger everything. But I 
well, I don't have the resources to do something like that. But I still think it comes down to, are you providing value to people's lives? When they follow you on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, are you are they receiving value? And now you may define that value as you know fifty thousand dollar one minute videos, or you could define that value as you perform perform the best curation so that people don't have to go all over the place to find good stuff. And I, I am not advocating that this becomes an arms race. Um, especially because I'm relatively unarmed. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> did, did you watch the, uh, the, the Ken Burns Vietnam series? I did not. Okay. So, well, one lesson, one marketing lesson in there is, you know, he who has the best hardware and budget doesn't necessarily win. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And I think, well, today, you know, you could have, um, you know, you could be a band of one and be really effective on yes. on social media and feel a lot more like a full marching band, right? Yes, yes. Uh, well, one of the things we know very well in Silicon Valley is faking it till you make it, right? And so, uh, and and I mean that in a positive way. So, social media is one of the best tools ever for that process. Yeah, and I think you also have social media creating these kind of movements, right? I mean, you you would you could almost say that it's created this medium where the kind of the grassroots movement now has a way to really evangelize itself. Yes, yes, and you know, social media basically is fast and free and ubiquitous, and man, that's the holy grail of marketing: fast, free, ubiquitous is good news, bad news. So the good news is everybody can use it. The bad news is everybody can use it. So then it becomes a battle in terms of the quality. And quality is not necessarily determined by budget. I think quality is determined by good judgment, good taste, and the degree of effort. And also, also, your lack of risk aversion, that you will take chances on social media. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, people, you know, often ask me, you know, especially because I work for a big brand that, you know, you make your little caveat, you know, opinions my own <laughs> you know, on, on yeah. because of there's that very fine line. And there are many times I will craft a tweet and I will not hit send, you know, I will not tweet it um, because I feel like, uh, you know, does that represent my you know, quote unquote, my brand, is that put, is my intention correct? You know, is that, am I adding value? You know, this is not the forum to do, make that comment potentially. So I, I, yeah. I maybe err on being too cautious. Yeah. You, you're a better person than I am. Yeah. But I'm not Guy Kawasaki. Yeah. <laughs> so no. You, you uh, might get forgiven. Sure. I might get creamed. Who knows? No, 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 no. I get creamed regularly. I just, I just don't care about getting creamed anymore. So I'm 63 years old. I'm not going to be applying for jobs anymore. So, you know, what are you going to do to me? Not hire me for your internship? I mean, (laughs) uh, I'm beyond that already. Um, If you look, if you look at my social media, particularly LinkedIn and Facebook, 
I am 90% fighting the Trump administration. And most people would say that is social media suicide. That, you know, I'm antagonizing, and that I am antagonizing half the population that could follow me, could friend me, could, you know, buy my book or whatever. And I'm committing suicide on social media. And I just think that, you know, there are, there are more important things I have to worry about than that. And, and I would say that you've probably gone on a journey on this because, you know, you've been doing social media, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, et cetera, you know, from the beginning. I mean, you were a very early adopter of it. So do you think that there is a, you know, kind of a chasm that you've crossed from where you started to where you are today? Like what you just said, do you think that part of that is just experience with social media? Part of it could just be where you are in your career. I mean, it could be a multitude of things, but, you know, was there a point in time where you said, you know, after your, you know, hundred thousandth follower that you went, I think I know what I'm doing here and I'm, I'm adding value. And now I can start to turn the corner and potentially do other things with it. Uh, I, I must admit that that is not my attitude. And if, if, if I may repeat what I think I heard, which is that at some point I had this aha moment where I said, okay, now you know what you're doing, go for it. To this day, I'm not sure I know what I'm doing. It's just I'm less worried about the consequences of doing things wrong, which is very different. I, I totally and agree. I think, yeah. I think that social media is so fast and so fluid that nobody truly knows what to do. And for better or for worse, I am willing to try all kinds of stuff. And, you know, years ago, I, I started triplicating my tweets and people said, you know, that's crazy. People are going to unfollow you. You're going to look like a spammer. And my logic was, well, you know, why does CNN and ESPN repeat the same video clip every 45 minutes? Obviously, because they know that people don't sit there and watch CNN and ESPN 24 by 7. So they're not going to notice that you're running the same clip. And I think the same thing is true of social media. So long before the experts said, repeat your tweets, I was repeating my tweets. And it could have had bad consequences. It didn't. I continued on. And, and so if that's a great uh, little nugget of advice, what's something on the reverse of that that you thought might work that didn't work? If there is uh, one. Let's see. Uh, now I, I don't want you to think that I... Uh, I'm, I'm struggling with an answer to this question because everything I did worked. I just try to not remember what failed. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, social media, really life is constant error correction, constant experimentation, constant taking risk. Now, not, not you know, not life-threatening risk, but at one point, believe it, believe it or not, you know, triplicating your tweets was a risk. Uh, going all in uh, in politics on LinkedIn since uh, January 2017 was risky, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of immune to that at this point. That I'm I'm that concerned about it at this point. Well, you know that's okay. I mean, I think that the the piece of advice of the retweet is is great. Um, and and I'd say you know from a, what I've learned was what did I 
want my voice to be online? You know, sort of, did I want to be a curator? Did I want to aggregate? Did I want to have an opinion? Did I want to do feel good? You know what I mean? Like kind of this balance of what I wanted to put out there. Um, and I, and I try to, to do that in a way that, uh, you know, allows people who may only like certain kinds of content and other kinds of content that I give them kind of variety, maybe open their eyes up to things they weren't expecting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I, I think more than anything, when you talk about, uh, you know, in enchantment specifically, you know, you wrote that book um, back in, I think it was like 2011, wasn't it? Something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, what would you add change or update now that you've given that presentation and, you know, spoken about that topic now for so long? Is, is there things that you would do similar to what you did at the art of the start when you did 2.0, right? What would be your 2.0 of enchantment? My 2.0 of enchantment. Oh boy. I hate doing podcasts because people ask questions like this. I don't know the answer to, uh, cause I, you know, for me, when you finish a book, the first time you kind of put it in a little box in your head and you tie it up, wrap it and you file it and you try not to visit it again. Uh, I, I would say if I were writing enchantment today, I would put greater emphasis on using social media as a tool to reach people. Yeah. Because e- even as recent as I think enchantment is like five years old, lots have happened. So, you know, today, if I were writing enchantment, there would be a big section about how to use live video. Well, when I wrote enchantment, there was no live yeah, video. Exactly. So, so it's not in there. Um, and I think five years ago, it wasn't as clear that you really need great graphics to, to rise above the noise. So there are, there are things like that, but fundamentally enchantment is about gaining trust and being likable and providing value. And that has not changed. The means of those things may have changed, but those goals have not changed. And do you think it's harder to do those goal, have those goals now? I mean, obviously I think they're great goals and I think they stand the test of time, right? I, I think yeah. you're right on the, the medium may be different a la video, but the, mm-hmm. but the underlying foundation of the concept is absolutely relevant. I don't, I, boy, you know, I don't sit around thinking, oh, is it harder or easier now? You know, what's the future? I, that's just not my DNA. It's not in my personality. I don't sit around and cogitate. I sit around, actually, I don't sit around. Basically, I do. I'm either doing or I'm surfing. There's only two modes that I have. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't sit around, you know, lamenting the good old days nor wishing for the future or fearing of the future. I just, you know, I just like chip a little way, a chip away and buff away and sand away a little bit every day. And then one day I wake up and, huh, you're finished. So that's my modus operandi. Well, if, if you think, well, but you've give this presentation a lot, right? I mean, you talk about enchantment a lot. And so I guess from the feedback that you've gotten from people over the years of you doing this, I mean, you probably have given you know, 500 keynotes on this topic. Uh, what has been something that's really surprised you out of the feedback you've received for the work? Uh, Tiffany, I hate to burst your bubble. Um, so <laughs> the nature of my life is 
I, I give these speeches to you know thousands of people at a time, and it's kind of a one-way direction. You know, so like if I if I give a keynote to a thousand people, it's not like after the speech I hang around for days waiting for the thousand people to give me feedback. So all of this is to tell you the honest answer that it's kind of not a loop. Um, and I, I get sporadic feedback from people who've read stuff and, you know, I've met people, but I can't tell you that if you're painting this picture that it's institutionalized and I truly have an understanding of what people think, I, I don't want to disappoint you, but that's not quite true. Well, so I'll give, I'll give you feedback. <laughs> okay. <laughs> about that? Real yeah. time. Real, I'll, I'll close yeah. the loop. So okay. yeah, I read the, well, a couple of things. Um, I'll tell a little story that, you know, one of the first times you and I were speaking at the same event, we were down in San Diego and you had a really bad headache. So we, we had to sort of move, move around the, uh, move around the, the timing of things. And so I jumped ahead of you instead of going after you. Uh, yeah. and then a couple weeks later, uh, we were at another event together in Florida and you literally were getting off. So it was the first time I'd actually heard the presentation enchantment. You know, I'd never heard it. I'd read the book, but I'd never heard yeah. the presentation and you were getting off the stage and I was getting on the stage. And I often get asked, you know, listen, Tiffany, you speak a lot. Like what advice would you give? And I said, no, no, I won't give you the advice. I'll give you advice. Guy Kawasaki gave me as he was walking off stage and I was walking on stage in Florida. He looked over yeah. at me and he said, Hey, Bova, don't suck. That's what he said. <laughs> was awesome. So every, every time people ask me for really great advice, I said, no, no, no. I'm just going to give you Guy Kawasaki advice. Don't suck. So the first time I heard you give enchantment, you know, what really moved me about it was this whole connection point. Right. It was yeah. connecting with people that you don't meet face to face and you don't have that personal connection with. And how do you connect in these other mediums and, um, you know, inspiring them to do different things? And, you know, that whole concept, uh, I thought was uh, it was really helpful to me anyway. And, and I think that even even when you give that presentation and you talk about like, you know, point and font and how many slides and how much yeah. words and. Yeah all about the little subtle things, the communication. Uh, I never forget those things that, that, that you actually say in, in enchantment. Wow. wow. And the don't suck <laughs> and the don't suck. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll make you a hat that says don't suck. Yeah, again hashtag don't suck. Yes. So Me too. It, it, it was, you know, it's, it's like one of those things where people go, you know, there's has to be this piece of advice. And I go, yeah, I'm telling you, I just, I just gave an interview the other day on, on, on speaker hub. And they said, you know, what advice would you give? And I literally gave that story and he cracked up too. And I said, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing a podcast with guys. So I'm going to you know remind him of that. I have to be careful of my flippant <laughs> remarks. I mean, it's like people taking them seriously. Oh, right? but it was true. Don't suck. So, you know, well, I, you know, the, well, what if I had told you, you know, practice a thousand hours, would you have said, okay, guy, I'll go do it. I don't know. You know, I, because I'd say, I'd say <laughs> in many ways, I do practice a thousand hours every time I get on stage. Right. You know, so it's yeah. practice, practice, practice. Right. I mean, I think we all start somewhere and, and, you know, every day we try not to, at least me personally, when I'm on stage, you know, you just, you try to make sure that the audience enjoys the content they're receiving. Um, yeah. And so, well, you know, that I think that's a for the people who are listening. Obviously, that's a very important point. You know, many speakers believe that their role is to inform. 
I believe my role is to entertain. Mm -hmm. So I think if you entertain, you'll inform. But if you inform, you might not entertain and they won't remember. And so I think that public speaking, and I don't mean in the comedian sense, I mean public speaking like you and I do, you know, in the trade for money at conferences, you know, real public speaking. I think that the test is that people are entertained, not that they're necessarily informed. So, uh, and I, I don't think a lot of speakers agree with me there, but they're all boring. So I don't. Yeah. Care. Well, I'd say this. I'd say uh, so. I'm a I'm a visual listen learner, not a read learner. So uh -huh. entertainment, so video, you know, seeing someone on stage is a way that, like, me hearing you speak about enchantment, I had a very different experience than when I read the book, because I huh. don't read. I don't, re which is why I didn't go to law school. But <laughs> what? I don't yeah. learn that way, you know, and I went to a state school and you went on for nine degrees, right? Like that's just not my thing. I yeah. am a listen visual learner. So for me, if I'm entertained, I stay engaged. If I stay engaged, I learn something, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the same on going back to social media, I think the same way about social media, right? Is it sort of dry? Are you entertaining? Are you using a little bit of humor? Are you pointing out the obvious? You know, are you using unique ways to engage people online? I think it's important. Yeah, I, I I think that you know entertaining people, and I don't mean slapstick entertainment. I mean entertainment in an intelligent way, is adding value to their lives. So you know that that is value. So what's the yeah, problem? Yeah, I agree. Well, with that, so I'm going to put you on the spot again. So that's like th the third time today in a short 25 minutes. So you've had you've had you know the honor of meeting and working with you know some of the most influential people in our generation, right? From your jobs at Apple and and since. Um, and if you could have a conversation with yeah you know any three people, living or uh, you know living or not living anymore, or, you know dinner dinner, yeah. what three people would you pick to have? dinner with oh my god i'm gonna put you on the spot well you may find this hard to believe but one person would be there's a woman who works for adobe who is the adobe lightroom youtube star and she's always got the lightroom tips and tricks i, I was just telling a photographer friend of mine if somebody said you could have dinner with any woman in the world who would you pick i said her because i really need a adobe lightroom whisperer <laughs> to help me um, I don't even know her name. I just she just the light the Adobe Lightroom Maven anyway. But that's not the answer you're looking for. Um, let's see. Uh, maybe you said dead Correct. or alive, right? Any generation. I would say Duke Hanamoku would be one because I love to surf. Uh, I would say. Maybe Steve Jobs again, you know, because like when he was alive, it's not like we were close buddies. So it would be nice to have dinner with him. And uh, uh, maybe this is a real head scratcher here. Uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, all right. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I've seen her speak once and – I, I thought she was extremely intelligent and funny. And, you know, as, as I have gotten old, I have gotten new kind of proxies for, how, you know, how you judge people. 
And I have decided that one of the most telling signs of intelligence is wit. And so if you meet people who don't have wit, they are probably not smart. <laughs> and when, and you, when you meet people with wit, they probably are smart. So that's the litmus and test, just wit. Okay. That's the are you funny? Basically, are you? It takes great intelligence to be funny. And, you know, I could tell you a whole, a whole political party that just doesn't have a sense of humor. So um, that's my All new right. test. Fair enough. Those, that, you know, I would love to see Duke Kahanamoku, Guy Kawasaki, and Hillary Clinton out at dinner. Right. That, right. That. Would be oh yeah, and Steve yeah. Jobs. Forgot would, about him. I would definitely tell her how to fix her social media. <laughs> well, if she's listening, which I'm sure she's not, but if she's listening, you know, guys here for you. You know, I gotta tell you, during the campaign, I tried. I really tried to help them, and they just kept saying, Nope, you know, like, you know, we've got it all together. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, you know, I think what's been interesting about just uh the usage of social media, both with um now, Barack Obama, who went to my high school, not Guy's high school, by the way, just that's because oh! he couldn't get into my high school. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's why. Yeah, that's why. But if you look at Barack Obama, you know, all the way through even to now, just everything, you know, from what happens around the world that we that's why I said that use that movements. Um, I had Nancy Duarte on uh, a number of weeks ago as well, yeah. and just her whole um, story around, you know, storytelling and creating movements and the way that it used to be with speeches and written word. And now it's, you know, how can you do something in 140 characters? Well, now it's, you know, a little more than that. But, you know, ultimately, you know, starting those kinds of movements, um, it's, it's really changed the landscape of just, you know, the world has gotten much smaller. Yeah. Well, so. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's, a, you know, you know, I'll tell you one more person I wouldn't mind having dinner with. I don't know his name either, but he's the person who was on 60 Minutes who did Trump's uh, social media, his Facebook guy. I think that would be a very interesting meeting. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, – maybe that, would, <laughs> that dinner would be interesting. Yes, for sure. You should oh, interview yeah. that guy. Okay, let me get right on that. Let me get right on that. Well, yeah. so, <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up with, uh, with a couple more. The last one for me is that you know I know that you um, – are a big fan of sort of looking across sort of the hundred best innovations that you've seen in 2017 and some are, you know, healthcare, some are education, et cetera. But what innovation have you been exposed to, you know, in the past few months that really inspired you that you went like, wow, that is just really fantastic. Well, fantastic is a hard fence to climb over. You know, that uh, just really, you were, you were like, wow, that's going to make a huge difference, you know, both so whether it's social or healthcare or, you know, aging or education or where you said, you know, that, that I'd love to watch what this ends up doing. I haven't seen anything like that. Oh, let me think. I mean, that, that, that impactful. Wow. Uh, I mean, that kind of thing comes along, you know, once every 30 years, uh, that's like a Macintosh level, you know, that, that much changed the world. Wow. In the last year. I haven't seen anything like that. Um, see, what a disappointing podcast for you. No, that's I don't okay. Have any, like, you know, you I, know, I think I've, I've been surprised by, you know, the things that have really using things like 3D printing, um, 
to yeah. do things yeah. in the healthcare industry, you know, really. Okay, so yeah. here, I got I, one. I got one. I think that autonomous electric vehicles are going to change the world. And it's going to mean that every house doesn't need a garage. Every building doesn't need a parking lot. People don't need to buy a car. People don't need to uh, get licenses. That That's a fundamental change in society when we have autonomous electric vehicles. And hopefully there'll be some form of clean power to charge those batteries. And that is a game changer that we're not dependent on oil. Maybe we won't perish with uh, climate change. Uh, that I think is going to have a humongous impact. Well, so there you have it. Autonomous vehicles. You yeah. know, they think they're saying now that, you know, Autonomous. children who are born today may never learn how to drive at all, ever. Well, I, listen, I have a 16-year-old daughter. I am like twisting her arm to get a license. It's not that easy. <laughs> because of all the innovation, right? That in, you know, whether it's Uber or Lyft or whatever it might be. I mean, why does she? Well, because, of, you know, when you have a father who dotes on you so much, why drive? He'll drive. Uh, yeah. So so to, 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 wrap, to wrap this up about Guy's kids. So he has a son who who uh, who works at Salesforce, you know, which is where I work. And so he's he's in the marketing yes. department. So I said, I can't believe what it, or I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in marketing, email marketing and be Guy Kawasaki's kid. <laughs> like, talk about don't well, suck. <laughs> Well, well, but you know, I don't think he he I don't think he introduces himself as hi. I'm Nick Kawasaki. I'm Guy Kawasaki's son. You know, so it, you know, there's a lot of people with same last name. So maybe maybe in Honolulu. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to tell you, um, did you know that I gave Mark Benioff his first job? Oh, this is a good story. Yeah, and he didn't make dinner. Yeah. I think you got to add someone else for dinner. One more person. Yeah, no, I, I gave, and you know what? Uh, he has turned out to be the man. I mean, look at his philanthropic work. Look at the company that he's built. Uh, I should have just given him a job and ridden his coattails. So he is the man. He is the man. He's a he's a pretty uh, inspiring uh, CEO for sure, no doubt. Yeah. Well, Guy, this has been yeah. an absolute pleasure. You know, Meke Aloha, mahalo for spending your time with us today and all of us uh, listening to the podcast, you know, continue to inspire and enchant all of us with your great work. Uh, and I just want you to know, I personally appreciate you and everything you've done for me in my my career. So thank you for joining us. Oh, Mele kalikimaka, my friend. <laughs> which means Merry Christmas, by the way. So which times this podcast? <laughs> anyway, thank you, Guy. Take, take care. Take care. Well, if there was any doubt that the goal of the What's Next podcast was not to let you listen in on a conversation between two friends, make no mistake, what you just heard between Guy and I was absolutely a conversation between two people who went to rival high schools, both of which think theirs is better than the other. That's number one that we got out of that. The second thing I'd say is that Guy is no holds bar. He is all about you know, how to make a difference out there every day via social media, pushing the envelope, you know, and learning as he go with absolutely no regret for sort of anything he's done, which I think is something we all can absolutely learn. 
I was also fascinated by him thinking that the autonomous car is the most innovative thing we're going to see in our lifetime, you know, besides the Macintosh, which he was part of. Uh, and it will change everything about the way we travel, commute, and look at transportation going forward, as well as all the uh, socially conscious and environmental things that it will bring for us. So it was an absolute pleasure to have my friend Guy Kawasaki join me on the What's Next podcast. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Please subscribe, share it with your friends. Look forward to hearing you and seeing you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.